Welcome back to the Hockey House Pod, episode 100. That's right, folks. Episode 100, presented by OptumX Sports. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy, as we bring you all the latest news from around the ACHA and AAU college hockey off-seasons. Fellas, we've made it. The century mark, 100 episodes. Cannot believe that we're, we're still doing this. Started back in September of 2020. Very happy to be alongside you two fellas tonight. Collins, I'll throw it over to you first. This is pretty unreal. I remember a couple episodes we were saying that, what was it, 90% of podcasts don't make it past episode three, which is just wild that we've we've come this far and been this consistent with it so but as for myself this weekend i am up in new jersey i'm playing a road game tonight i am uh, in a hotel about 25 minutes outside philly for a, a lacrosse tournament with uh with stx we're gonna be at lax for the cure if you're going or have family members who are going come stop by the booth say hi um uh, we, uh, we got a cool setup going and uh, should be a good time this weekend. Raise some money for breast cancer awareness and play some lacrosse. Throwing it over to our executive producer, David Herman. Herm, what are you up to this week? I spent some time in Old Forge, hang out with my direct boss, Rob Ash, and late night campfires. Great weekend to recharge, decompress. Old Forge is gorgeous. The entire Adirondacks are picturesque to get out on Ash's boat. It was a, a really fun time. Awesome. Yeah. Looked looked unreal when we, we caught up on FaceTime. Got to go out to dinner with a good friend of the pod, Lore, the social media manager for Fordham's hockey team. Caught up with her, got some lunch, but spent the weekend in Massachusetts, visited my girlfriend Megan and her family, spent Father's Day there, you know, cookouts. Father's Day is always great. Got to FaceTime my family, going to go home and see them in a couple of weeks. So that was a good weekend on that front. It did rain though. And when you go to Ipswich, Massachusetts, you plan on spending some time on the water in the in the ocean and didn't get to do that, but use the time to play some pickleball. Uh, I think I went like five and one on the weekend. Megan and I were three and oh on Saturday and, and, you know, just really getting the hang of that sport in my, my club hockey retirement days. But it was a good weekend. Lots of fun. I was trying to think before the episode, like what are some other things in my life that I've done like a hundred times? Like, great. This is episode 99 for me. I missed one episode. You guys did that one. I was swamped with schoolwork, but I'm trying to think of other things I've done a hundred times that I can remember off the top of my head. And not to make this about me, but I did score a hundred points in division three, New Hampshire high school hockey, which was pretty cool. And I don't know if I've told the story about my hundredth point, but we were on the road and we were beating our rival Kingswood five to two. If you remember Burke rule, came on the show, played at Kentucky. We were winning five to two. It was late in the third period and I was sitting at 99 points. And our next game was at home against the worst team in the league. I would have had that 100th point on the first shift. It would have been in front of 15 people and it would have been that fun. So packed house, rivalry game, third period. We're up five to two. And we used to run this play off the faceoff called the X play where we would win the puck back off the draw. And I would just basically go hard off the glass or off the far boards. Our center or winger would just catch it, you know, center ice teams do it all the time i forget everyone has a different name for it we call it the x play we did it a little differently this time we won the puck back and i did one of those high flips two on one the other way and i got my 100th point then but it was a blowout game but we celebrated like it was like an overtime winner and i think it was just one of the most disrespectful things we could have done in, in our rival team's rink basically dogpiling me in the corner brings back some fun memories from 100 but 100 episodes is bizarre still can't even really process it we talked about it with rob in the interview rob from wet jeans pod came on also known as the heat daddy a social media icon in the hockey world unbelievable to get to this point 
it and we'll talk about a lot of the support we've had throughout this episode, but we'll get into some news here. I wanted to start speaking of, of support for not us, but the ACHA and AAU college hockey wanted to lead with this. The neutral zone, uh, if you're unfamiliar with that, it's the number one source of NCAA, CHL, and NHL prospect rankings. I, they're very popular in New England. Um, I don't know if you guys have, have heard of them beforehand. Very big on ranking players as they come up. New England prep school players, junior players, and, and who's likely to go where for college. And so I always got like EHL vibes from neutral zone. Like it felt like it was kind of the same people discrediting club hockey. And this article from Brian Murphy was unbelievable. He t- It was titled, Get to Know Non-NCAA Club, parentheses, College Hockey by Brian Murphy. Plenty of great interviews. I I was shocked when I when I clicked on this the length of this article it just felt like it kept on going and going and going there were interviews from Jeff Folkman former North Carolina coach Michael DeFazio the UMass Amherst coach Adam Price the Arkansas team manager head coach at Iowa Kevin Brooks we had Louisville head coach Brian Graham University of Arizona head coach Chad Berman and then in the AAU we had Georgia head coach coach Campy we had a player from U Tampa Tyler Bernard Lance Tackett the head coach at Tampa and and then Greg Dreveny from Alabama's AAU team. He gave some pretty good perspective about what it's like having an ACHA D1 and now an AAU D1 team on campus. If you have not checked out the article already, please do so. The Neutral Zone is the name of the site. They cover all things hockey and prospects. Really cool article. Herm, they use some of your photos in it. What did you think? Because I feel like we're a really good source for people who don't know a lot about club hockey, but this is going to be like a go-to thing that I probably send people when they have questions. Oh yeah, this is going to be something that stays in our link tree for ever and ever and ever. One of those resources that's going to be integral to the ACHA community at large, I think is going to be in that lore of like the Liberty tour video of like this gets sent around by parents and coaches at the EHL level of like, yeah, this is the the thing you have to check out if you want to learn more about non-varsity hockey. This is so, so well done. Brian Murphy did an exceptional job compiling all of this information and writing it with an unbiased tone, one that he recognizes the ACHA and, C- and AAU college hockey don't even like the use of club as as a demeaning sort of way very very well put together article the coolest thing i thought too like you said very well put together and you could tell that a lot of time went into it biggest takeaway for me was that he got it all right there's a lot of people who give features for stories about club hockey and they just get like a couple things wrong um and so that was really cool to see him take the time. He interviewed a lot of people. Collins, I'm curious what you thought when you first saw the article and and the representation it had on AAU and the ACHA. Well, kind of going into the article, I thought it was just going to be kind of like a you know, like you were talking about, just like a, a quick summary of the ACHA, what it is. And I was just absolutely blown away how many, you know, sources he reached out to. Incredibly well-written article. I, I ditto everything everybody said and, you know, highly recommend everybody go take go take a read because it, it is absolutely amazing. Yeah, you can head to our link tree, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. It'll be at the top of the link. A couple more things about it, though, that I wanted to bring up because I thought it was cool. He So he ends it. Well, not only that, there was 10, at least 10 different interviews he did, 10 different sources for this. He got pretty much all of the different perspectives of club hockey. He talked with Coach Campy, who talked about how it's all students running the social media and the management of the team. And then he talked with the Arizona coach and they're talking about building a 3000 seat rink for the team and how they're not going to have any player dues when the new rink gets built. So he got all of it. He wrapped it up very nicely. And I wanted to read 
his final point. He said, there's a debate in hockey circles who is better, NCAA or ACHA slash AAU. To me, it does not matter. Hundreds of schools have exciting opportunities and players should be excited at the diversity of options. Hopefully, the information above helps players and coaches understand that non-NCAA college hockey is another version of college hockey, which was a, a fantastic way to wrap it up. So we wanted to give Ryan Murphy from Neutral Zone a shout out for that wonderful article. We got some other news, plenty of news this week. You would have thought that we took the week off with how much stuff we have to cover. And big news, Rocky Top is returning to Savannah for the first time since 1999. The University of Tennessee Ice Foles will take part in the Savannah Classic. Florida State is out. Tennessee is in Georgia Tech won the inaugural tournament back in 1999 that Tennessee played in the Vols will return this season January 12th and 13th that is MLK weekend at N Market Arena in Savannah Georgia it's going to be bean pot style so for those of you who've been following along usually the Georgia schools played each other the Florida schools played each other and then the ACC schools played each other and the SEC schools played each other and there was never any crossover and so there was always like funny tiebreakers to decide who the winner was because sometimes teams that were one in one would win the tournament and it makes it awkward you got to present the team the trophy to a team that's in you know their street clothes they're going to the bean pot style so friday night florida will play tennessee and then the two school georgia schools will face off georgia and georgia tech third place game will happen on saturday night and the championship game will be on saturday night we have been talking to kyle nell from college hockey south he's the commissioner down there we're trying to get away for us to get down there and check it out saw you know verbero was there last year with plenty of coverage i think they're trying to get the spit chicklets crew down there I keep seeing a bunch of tweets at Grinelli. He's a big fan of the Ice Foles. Collins, I know you love the Voles. They were beauties on the bench when you were there. What are your thoughts on, on them getting the fourth bid to this tournament? I think this is huge. I mean, especially with one, like just looking at it, it's hard to mention hockey in the South with our, without mentioning D1 football. With Tennessee, I think kind of this past year coming more into the public eye within football. I mean, uh, that's not to slight any Tennessee people, but, you know, as a non-SEC guy myself, I definitely paid a lot more attention to them this year. So I think it is cool to see that school get a lot more recognition than it than it usually does. So I think this is going to be a great addition, a team from outside of Florida and Georgia. I'm super excited to hopefully go down there. It should be, should be a cool time. Herm, we we known for a little bit that, Florida State was was going to to drop out of the tournament. Didn't know who that fourth team was going to be. You liked the decision with Tennessee? Were you hoping for maybe a South Carolina or, or another school down there? I think everyone on the pod knows just where my bias lies with South Carolina, but I think Tennessee is just an up and coming program with a ton of potential. I'm excited to see what they do with the tournament. They've got they had those black jerseys last season, and I think they're really making their their statement in college hockey south so it'll be one division one aau team georgia three teams in aau division two one thing i spoke with kyle nell about he mentioned that this team was going to fit right into the tournament it was a team that had previously been in the tournament georgia has uga you have florida who brings the live gator every year and you've got georgia tech who drives the ramble and wreck out onto the ice i said will this team have a fun southern college football tradition to bring with them to the game. And he said, oh yeah, definitely. And so I don't know if that means they're going to bring Smokey, the mascot out. Um, I don't know if they're going to skate out in the power T. There's a lot of different things they could do for the Tennessee Ice Foles, but we're very excited to see what happens. Once again, that'll be January 12th and 13th in 2024. Other news in AAU college hockey, they announced they had over a million impressions on their Division One announcement. 
lots of teams they either did it individually they did it with their conferences there was a big announcement from the league plenty of impressions across the board really good to see all these eyes on AAU college hockey we saw Auburn we retweeted that Auburn was on like the local news the Auburn Tigers are going division one in AAU college hockey Herm I want to get your take from the social media side of things they are going division one everybody loves to say when is blank going division one I think you kind of have to toe a line of like we're going division one but don't get people's hopes up that it's ncaa i personally i think all all publicity is good publicity and you know at the end of the day it's raising more awareness for these teams but i i think we we got a good chuckle out of some of the graphics that got put out when we were talking with the cock hockey guys cam mecca and joey collega they they mentioned a story of being out in five points and a guy going up to him and asking what they were going to do after playing for South Carolina if they were going to go to the NHL. And I think a lot of the Southern fans think D1 is the equivalent to NCAA D1. So I understand why they've done it from a marketing perspective. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a little misleading for sure, but game recognized game. Gets people talking about it regardless. One thing I did, like you mentioned South Carolina, and you know we, we obviously talk about them a lot, but they had the graphic that showed it was ACHA with an arrow pointing to the CHF logo with another arrow pointing to AAU College Hockey, kind of spelling it out for their fans what this all looked like. And I thought that was like a really cool way for them to do it because they have a very large follower presence online. It was nice of them to kind of make it very easy for their fans to understand. Shifting gears to the ACHA, they unveiled the logo for the 2024 National Championships presented by Flow Hockey. National Championships will once again be in St. Louis, back at Centene. Herm, you, you put it in the notes, but another great logo from the guys at the ACHA. They don't miss. It works every single time, whether it's on a hat, whether it's on a hoodie, whether it's on a t-shirt, whether it's on a jacket. Those Nationals logos, always Chef Kiss. I actually went down a rabbit hole looking for more logos, and there was a time when the ACHA used to have the national tournaments in separate places, whether it was, you know, division one in one place, division two, division three, women's in another. And they would do individual logos for each of those. If you go down, if you just search on Google Images, like ACHA national championships, and then any year after like 2008, you'll find some good logos uh, out there especially for the ones that were on campus. You know, there's one in like Delaware colors, John Carroll colors. I saw one for Northeastern hosting it in Marlboro. So really cool if you have the time to check that out. But the ACHA also named Larry Rocha as head coach in chief. Rocha has been the head coach of St. Anselm College, an NCAA men's ice hockey program. He's been coaching there since 2018. St. A's is in New Hampshire. We've talked about that one a lot. That was kind of one of the schools on my radar, but he's a professor of economics at St. A's. He's one of 12 coaches in chief for USA Hockey and is in charge of the education of coaches in USA Hockey's New England district. Seems like he has a lot of experience coaching, a lot of experience with USA Hockey. This makes sense. What didn't make sense to me is looking at it, it's like, huh, that's kind of weird, like bringing in an NCAA Division II coach to be in charge of the ACHA coaches. Like you'd think they'd bring somebody who knows a thing or two about the ACHA. I was wrong about that because if you dig in to Coach Rocha's past, not that we're digging up bad stuff, we're digging up good stuff because he coached Penn State to a national championship in 1984. He was actually inducted into the Penn State Hockey Hall of Fame in 2009. So he knows plenty about the ACHA. And I think this is a really good decision for the ACHA. So we want to give him a shout out. Sticking with the ACHA news, Georgetown announced that they will once again be playing at Capital One Arena. George Washington will be the host. These two teams will meet on September 24th following the Capitals preseason game that night. 
another always fun tradition in the DC area. Wanted to give a shout out to Arizona, their women's division one program. The Wildcats will have a team in the 2024-25 season. They'll play in division one ACHA in the Western Women's Collegiate Hockey League. They have named their inaugural head coach. It'll be Caitlin Hogan. I feel like you can't go wrong with, with a coach with the last name Hogan in Arizona. Coach Sean Hogan had a very good career there as well. They are looking forward to providing a great student-athlete experience for future players and will start recruiting now for that 2024-25 season. Initially, games will be played at the Tucson Convention Center, and then they will move to the Mosaic Quarter Iceplex upon its opening in 2025. Also want to note that the university of Arizona plans to add a men's division two ACHA team and a sled hockey team, which I think is going to be really cool. All coinciding with this new arena. I'm curious how many teams have sled hockey on their campuses at the college level. Played a little bit of sled hockey at Syracuse. We played against a local sled hockey team, but that would be cool to see sled hockey take off as a, as a collegiate sport. And I think that'll be really good for Arizona because if you were playing sled hockey, I feel like there's not a lot of options at the college level. University of Arizona is definitely going to be on your radar. Speaking with coaches, though, we do want to mention there are some coaching vacancies, uh, especially in ACHA M2. Miami of Ohio is looking for a coach. Ohio University is looking for a coach. And Indiana Tech is looking for a coach. If you have any interest in either of those jobs, feel free to send us a DM. We'll get you in touch with those guys. Really good opportunity, I think, especially if you're a, a young guy or girl and, and you've just graduated college and you're looking to stay in the game and you played in the ACHA. Those are the types of coaches that I think programs look for because you understand what club hockey is. You understand what it takes. It's not a full-time paid job. There's a lot of hoops you have to jump through. And I think bringing somebody in who understands that is really good. So reach out to those teams if you're interested. We're just going to keep on rolling through. We're, we got plenty of stick taps this week. I think this is the longest the stick tap section has ever been. We're looking at almost two pages here. want to start off for, I guess, some self-snaps for us, right? We knew that the ACHA had mentioned us at the general session uh, this spring down in Naples for the ACHA Coaches Convention, and we finally got our hands on the video footage of it, which was pretty cool to see Executive Director Craig Barnett get up and give us a shout out. Another thing with one of our partners now with the Hockey House, we had the Hockey House people there. They do such a great job on social media and promoting non-NCAA college hockey. They're big fans, as you may know, of, of our product. And, and Mackenzie Murphy there, this is pictured on St. Patrick's Day in the green ACHA jersey. And a, a young man named Dave Herman run that show with the Hockey House. And they, they come in, they're the first ones there, last ones to leave. Their, their interviews, their pictures, their video, they get, they get such high viewership on social media platforms. And as you all know, that's, that's who we want to be reaching out to. Those are our prospective student athletes, and those are the families we want to educate on the opportunities with the ACHA. Very much appreciate that. And they used Herm's photos throughout the slideshow, which is always really good to see. Speaking with the Hockey House self-taps, we got the Team Hockey House getting in the wind column in the frozen jungle up in Boston, down 2-0, the boys rallied with a 3-2 shootout win over a team which, believe it or not, had a bunch of Framingham State NCAA players, which we love to see. Our crew of ACHA and AAU college guys took down a team with a bunch of NCAA D3 kids. Rumor has it those boys were not very happy losing the shootout to the Hockey House pod team, but the boys got it done. As promised, they got an Instagram post on the feed, which was always cool. Love, love giving those boys a shout out. 
I have to check though. They played the Syracuse team this week, and I I haven't seen the final scores from that one. So we'll we'll keep you posted next week on that one. ACHA was getting plenty of love at the North Dakota Associated Press Sportscaster and Sports Writers Association Awards. I need that name on a t-shirt. I'm going to thrift stores in North Dakota and looking for that shirt. That is a mouthful. North Dakota Associated Press Sportscasters and Sports Writers Association Awards. N-D-A-P-S-S-A-A. All right, let's get into the awards we got. First off, Johnny Witz from U Mary's D2 team. He is the 2022-2023 North Dakota Associated Press Sportscaster and Sports Writers Non-School Athlete of the Year. Give it up for Johnny. Unbelievable honor. Herm putting that in the notes two times in a row. Tongue twister. He was honored as the 2023 ACHA M2 West Region Player of the Year. He led U Mary within a goal of the national tournament semifinals this spring. He won titles in 2021 and 2022. Two-way defense was key in the Marauders, limiting their opponents to only 78 goals in 48 games. And he was also on the offense. He had a career-high 19 goals and 32 assists for 51 points in 44 games. Also being recognized was Minot State. Their men's hockey team was named the non-school team of the year. Top-ranked Beavers defeated number three Adrian College 1-0 in the national championship game. Two awards, very fitting, and congratulations to both of those teams. And, of of course, they were using Herm's photos and the graphics, so we love to see that. We have a birthday this year. Cincinnati Hockey is turning 50. The University of Cincinnati Hockey Program will celebrate its 50th anniversary season this season, beginning in 2023. Cincinnati Hockey alum Gerard Neerman created a really cool logo worth checking out. We shared some throwback photos that they had from their alumni network. I don't know if you guys saw, but the inaugural 73-74 jerseys, I need Rebirth to get working on a replica of those. Unbelievable look. It reminds me of when uh, Fitzy wore the throwback jerseys in Binghamton. They had the broom dusters and like the shoulder yoke comes all the way down to the chest. 50 years of hockey tradition at Cincinnati. Collins, I'm curious because I feel like Nova has had a hockey team for a very long time now. How... Where does Nova rank compared to Cincinnati? 92 years. Very old program. It started like way back in like 1929. So we're going to be coming up on 100 pretty soon, which is is wild to think. But uh, two years ago, my sophomore year, that's wild to think about. We did our 90th anniversary because we we weren't able to do it this season before because of COVID. But yeah, Villanova has a a pretty, pretty long history of hockey. Like I said, started in 1929. They actually played the first competitive hockey game against Penn at the Hershey Ice Palace, which is now at the Giant Center. So that was like kind of beginning of NCAA hockey days when it wasn't it wasn't really a thing for quite a long time. They, you know, were like that. And then in the 80s, they went D3. Yeah. And uh, obviously, um, ACHA Twitter legend Bob DeGemis was uh, on those teams. And in the early 90s, when Title IX went into effect, Villanova was NCAA D3 hockey. They were given the choice to either go NCAA D1 or go to the ACHA. And uh, the school decided not to go the NCAA D1 route. So they went ACHA. Fun fact, though, Villanova was in the same ECAC conference as Quinnipiac, and we beat Quinnipiac. So safe to save Villanova hockey. If you suck us in D1, we would win the national championship. Just saying. People forget that. People really forget that. People do forget that. Not enough people talking about that. No, no. But the team was absolute garbage back in the in the NCAA D3 days. Not going to lie. They were not good. Uh, Sorry to any older ice cats 
who are listening. Uh, I love you guys. The team was not that great. It kind of speaks volumes about how much hockey has grown. Not only that, but just the way talent has developed over the, the past, you know, whatever, 20 years. It's insane what guys like Crosby, McDavid, <laughs> and all those guys have done for the sport. Pretty wild to see. Collins, I, I cannot believe that you just spun Nova hockey history into Connor McDavid, Crosby, and Ovechkin. That, that was an all-time <laughs> rabbit hole. Give me 15 minutes alone with my thoughts and we will start. I, I could have probably eventually find my way into making that about race cars. I'm just saying. Well, transitioning from teams with a lot of history to teams with not much history, we're going to talk about the Binghamton Black Bears, which I, f- I wish Fitz was here to talk about his new teammate, Dakota Bond of Adrian, signed with the FPHL's Binghamton team. He joins fellow Bulldogs, Smith and Stanko. I think we have to rename rename them the Binghamton Bulldogs. Or we get the Black Bears gold and black alternate jerseys like the Adrian ones. Maybe they could do like an Adrian night. We're throwing around options here. What if we had an all-ACHA team in the Fed? Because now Binghamton has a bunch of Fed guys. They got a bunch of Binghamton guys. They got Fitz. A bunch of Adrian guys. They have Fitz. Would love to see an all-ACHA team in the Fed. Now let's go that a step further. Where does the Hockey House pod sign up for an expansion team? And what city is this expansion team playing in? My pick is Marlboro. I think we play on rink one in Marlboro. I think that is where the ACHA all-star team powered by the Hockey House pod and Optimex Sports. All of that on the front of the jersey. And we play in rink one in Marlboro. Herm, I would love to get your take. Where are we moving this fictional, hypothetical, all-ACHA fed team? You forgot hockey club on the front of that jersey. And ho- hockey club is actually bigger than all those words that I said. That's a good point. Yeah, I got I got to go for some alliteration with like an A city or something like that. Athens. Yeah, no, they wouldn't they wouldn't be able to support that in Athens. Not enough ice ice time there. I'm not kicking out the Bobcats. Not enough ice time in in Southeast Ohio. Give me give me an A city. Alexandria. Altoona. You know what? We're bringing hockey back to Atlanta with the Atlanta ACHA All-Stars. That's what we're doing. Collins, where are you going with this team? I was, I'm was. i kind of split. I'm either thinking along the lines of Nationals and going with St. Louis. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll bring uh, the ACHA All-Stars to, to Michigan, where, where the ACHA is based out of. So we'll do, what, what would it be? The Do you know where in Michigan the headquarters are? No, I believe the head, the ACHA headquarters are a P.O. box in Michigan, I believe. Troy, Michigan. Troy, Michigan. Okay, so Detroit ACHA All-Stars, powered by the Hockey House Pod, Hockey Club, powered by Optimax, powered by many other sponsors, hockey team. Can we get the acronym for that, please? Just I want to oh, know what's going to be on the score bug. While Collins was, was reading <laughs> the- off the name of the team, I thought... I was thinking in my head, this actually sounds like a Fed city. If you move the team to Lynchburg, you know how Liberty sponsors a NASCAR? What if Liberty University sponsored an all ACHA team in the Fed? I mean, the, you see the people go bonkers at La Haye for fights. Like, let's put a Fed team there. All ACHA guys. And uh, they'll love it. It'll be it'll be like, you know, the Adrian guys going back to La Haye. They'll recognize the names already. It'll be perfect. I, I think that's where that's where they go. Want to keep things moving, though, because we do have a lot to talk about on this episode. We're still on the front half here, but we got a very, very nice DM. Probably one of the best DMs we've ever received. It is from a hockey mom out in Iowa. 
We actually don't even know her name because she doesn't have her name or Instagram, but it was in our DM request for a very long time. She DM'd us in April. This is probably a fourth of what the DM said, but I just took the best part and I'm going to read it to you guys because it was awesome. We love when we get messages like this, but this one was very special to us. In April, she said, just want to let you guys know how much I've been enjoying your podcast. I came across it last September as I was either scrolling through Insta or saw it on Spotify. My son started playing juniors in Minnesota last year, so I started listening to your podcast on the drive up and back on my way to watch him play. I liked the first couple so much. I thought, let me go back to the beginning and start listening. There was so much to learn. I just finished episode 59 where you do your recap of nationals. So this was the re- the nationals recap in 2022 fast or rewind to rewind, fast forward, wherever, wherever we are in the dimension right now, Friday, she sends us another DM. I've been catching up to you guys this past season. As mentioned in my prior message, you've been keeping me company every week since September. I've been driving from Des Moines, Iowa and Coon Rapids, Minnesota to watch my son play. His goal is to play in the ACHA. And so this podcast has been wonderful education for me. More dialogue. And she says, as a mom of boys, not that far off from your own ages, I feel like I've watched or well, listened to you grow up right before me this last year. I've had the privilege of having the last three years delivered in one hockey season through hours and hours of driving. So I have been there since the beginning and listening now to the OGs talk about their graduations, summer internships and jobs just makes me smile and admittedly tear up a little as well. I remember being so excited when Fitz went pro I remember when Herm joined the team and I could easily hear the difference. I remember when Aiden joined the pod too. I'm almost there and hope to be caught up by your 100th episode. We hope that this wonderful hockey mom is listening right now to episode 100 and that she's all caught up. Two more little listening and she'll be all caught up. Great job, you guys. Keep it up. People are listening. And I know for me, it's been great. I've sent your pod to so many parents, players, etc. I've highlighted topics and discussions to coaches. You name it. Keep it up and thank you. Hockey stick emoji, heart emoji. Just a wonderful DM to get. Pretty much what we're all about, trying to inform people about ACHA hockey, AAU college hockey, to hear that there's a mother driving between Minnesota and Iowa and, and where what she's listening to is, can't even fathom how, how cool that is for us. Herm, you, you saw the full DM in the exchange, but uh, makes it pretty cool to keep doing what we're doing. This is, this is a little bit of a full circle moment for me because I had an interaction with Steve Dangle after listening to his audiobook with my mom on the drive from Ohio to Texas, kind of getting through someone's life story over a drive and very, very familiar with that concept. For someone to have it for all of us is is kind of surreal to be on the other side of it. We are so incredibly thankful for each and every one of the supporters, whether you're on a treadmill right now, whether you're on a freeway somewhere and listening to us, we appreciate each and every one of you continuing to support. Love too that she basically like went into a hockey house time capsule, went back and listened to the OG episodes could spot the difference by the time Herm came on and started editing. Collins jumped in and we're going to we're going to recap everything we've kind of been through in 100 episodes in the second half here, but we have a very exciting interview as always that interview is brought to you by Optimex Sports. Today we have Rob from the Wet Jeans Pod. You know him as the Twitter sensation Heat Daddy online. He played at ASU back in the day a very long time ago actually. As always, brought to you by Optimex Sports. The team websites have been killing it recently. I want to give a shout out to App State. I think they just did another order of Selly hockey hats. They have 
jerseys to choose from, all kinds of merch. If I didn't have the App State Selly hockey hat already, I would go and buy merch because I love the logo with the Mountaineer playing hockey. Exciting news for those guys coming up, but they are killing it on the website front. DePaul was another team who took advantage of the OptumX online team store. So if you haven't already, please check out OptumX Sports. You can use the link in our bio or head to optumxsports.com slash sign up slash hockey house pod. If you have any questions, feel free to send us a DM, send OptumX a DM. If you want to talk to a team that's signed up with OptumX, feel free to reach out to us or DM some teams. They love sharing the teams that have signed up and they are really taking the club hockey world by storm this offseason. Plenty of teams signing up for them. We're going to turn it over to our interview with Rob. Quick disclaimer, Rob from the Wet Jeans podcast. He had some wild experiences back in the ACHA when he played in 2013. Some stuff that went on back then that certainly is not flying these days. And as Rob will tell you, it didn't fly back then in 2013 either. So we do our best to... uh Shine a positive light on the ACHA and AAU college hockey, but for episode 100, we're throwing it back to the good old days of club hockey, and, and Rob does that, and he does it in a very satire matter, and, and it's definitely a good listen. So we'll throw it over to Rob from the Wet Jeans Podcast. We're pleased to be joined by a guy who's known throughout hockey social media, a former ACHA himself at Arizona State University. You know him as the Heat Daddy. Please welcome to the show, Rob from the Wet Jeans Podcast. It's amazing to be here. I appreciate it, and uh, yeah, thanks. Dude, walk us through the last couple of days. I feel like you've been blowing up on social media because you've been practically living in Vegas. Yeah, my credit card is taking absolute beating, but I had to go. I have some buddies on the team up there. It started as a joke. Me, I'm sure you guys are familiar with the name Bo Bennett, a good friend of mine. We started joking around like, if this thing somehow goes from Vegas to Florida, we got to go to Vegas, Miami, Vegas, Miami. And I don't know what we're thinking because it's just way too expensive, but we kind of met in the middle. We're like, all right, let's just do Vegas. So we go to game one. Turns out they did exactly what we wanted them to do. They ended up losing in Florida, so they had a chance to win at home. So we could go back but yeah it's been crazy we kind of just committed to going and obviously it's an awesome place to i don't know if you guys have ever been it's an unbelievable environment the building everyone knows about vegas obviously back and forth i think we went like twice in 10 days and stayed i don't know four or five out of those 10 days but it's been wild dude it was really cool to see did you like go out were you at the parties afterwards i feel like i saw a picture of like you and ra together like you must have seen a million different people in the hockey world yeah man it was fucking blurry as hell but i was out there with guy that is involved with the you guys familiar with phase the gaming clan this guy i know they had like a table right next to the knights and me and you know my friends we didn't really want to intrude on them but it just so happened it was right next to their table. So we walk in and yeah, a lot of familiar faces there. I don't remember taking that picture with RA. I don't remember what the hell that tweet was about. I think I tweeted like the American dream or something. I woke up the next day. I was like, dude, what? Does that even mean? He, he was cool, though. I remember he was he was cool. It was definitely a crazy night. And I'm pretty sure I told like 500 people I was on the team, which was funny. The best, too, is you said that the, the Knights were going to win 9 nothing, and you like weren't that far off. <laughs> yeah, they put me on the spot with that question. I'm like, well, I don't want to say even one goal was scored on the night. So I'm going to say it's a shutout. And then I don't know how nine popped into my head, but I said nine. I said Colasar with six. I actually, someone was like tweeting me saying that I was making fun of them. I love Colasar's game. I love their fourth line, their bottom six. They're, they're such a deep team. Yeah, the diet rum and Cokes just made me pick Colasar to have six. But yeah, I got lucky with that nine for sure. All right, so walk us through like your hockey career early on. Like, where did you grow up playing? We mentioned that you played at ASU. Talk about, you know, growing up and then 
how you decided on going to college in Arizona. Yeah, so I grew up playing on Long Island, strictly roller hockey, pretty much my whole life. I don't think I stepped on ice besides a pond, like on a team until I was maybe 14. But at the time, the New York Bobcats and the AJ, they were like sick. They had guys that were like, couple guys are committed D1. And I remember going to the rinks in Hopalog. I don't know if you guys know where that's at. Seeing an AJ game as like, you know, 14 year old, you're like, holy shit, like this is sick. Like I want to play, you know, junior hockey or whatever. So I ended up trying out for the Long Island goals, which is a triple A team. I'm pretty sure I got cut within like three minutes. And I ended up playing for their double A team played for center reach Selden. And basically just to sum it up, what it came down to was I graduated high school and I just wanted to keep playing more. Uh, I knew from the second I heard about junior hockey, I'm like, well, oh, I can play till 21. I'm fucking aging out. Like why, why would I not play? So from there, yeah, just really going to random tryouts. I was pretty like just unknown uh, where I lived in Long Island was not very popular for hockey. So I just stumbled my way to New England, played everywhere. The Met, uh, the AJ, I played in leagues that weren't even sanctioned by USA Hockey. Absolute shit show uh, where there'll be like 16 Russian guys on the team uh, that were probably like 35 years old. The ASU decision was when I found out I I probably wasn't going to be interested in NCAA because... A, I wouldn't have played much in Division Three. I was never going to make D1. If I played Division Three, I'd probably still ride the bench. It would be a small school and like some place in upst- upstate New York. And I just didn't want to do that. I wanted to go somewhere, like a big party school where, you know, I can kind of just get away with drinking and being a party animal. And because I was kind of, I was actually a little bit of a late bloomer. I kind of got into the drinking and all that shit late in my junior career, if you're going to call it that. But yeah, so Arizona State had a program and I was like, I'm in. I saw like one YouTube video and I just went. Like that was pretty much it. I didn't visit the campus, none of that. Uh, I just went. You mentioned like that you kind of wanted that environment, big school, little more laid back. I mean, back then, like people thought the ACHA was the wild west. Like nobody really knew about it. Like, like you mentioned, there was like probably one video about Arizona state that you saw, like what made you think that had you, did you have teammates and juniors that were going the ACHA route? Like, how'd you find out about what club hockey was? I had a couple guys on teams that I played with before that were going to URI. I was like, Whoa, what the, what does that even URI? Like, what do they have? Cause I, I was like such a nerd, man. I knew, you know, all the ho- college hockey conferences, all the teams who was good, who was good when i heard about uri i was like i was unfamiliar with club hockey at the time like it wasn't even on my radar a couple of friends of mine they decided to go play at uri they had a good program a lot of good players on that team and these were pretty good guys and for one reason or the other they landed there and as you know like acha is filled with guys that can play and that pretty much started it when i found out that like there was a way to play at school that wouldn't be miserable because I also knew guys playing D3 or even D1 and they weren't getting ice time. It was so serious and, you know, they were never going to end up making it a career or getting paid. And they're like, kind of, why am I fucking here? You know? So, so that was pretty much it. Being from Long Island, did you have a lot of friends growing up, go and play at Stony Brook? No, I, I not friends, but acquaintances, kids that I skate with over the summer, stuff like that. I've never had like a good friend play there, but I was aware of their program too. They were nasty. They had they had a good thing going. I don't know if they still do now, but I know a lot of players that were really good there, especially in the high school league I played in. A lot of the good kids went and played there. You mentioned like a lot of a lot of kids going 
the the club hockey route, especially at ASU and during this time. And we, we we had Greg Powers on, and he talked about how guys didn't know Arizona State had hockey, and then all of a sudden they were getting USHL guys to come and play in the ACHA. Like, what was the environment like when you got on campus? Your introduction to ASU club hockey. Like, was there a tryout where you were just getting like the wheels blown off of you by like guys who could have played at like U Maine or UNH? Like, what was that like? Yeah, it's funny you say USHL. So I actually I got down there and the way they had it set up was they had multiple club teams. I actually shout out coach powers. I never played for him, but I have a good relationship with him. Uh, I was on like the the F team. So I get down there and they're going to have like a hundred kids basically split up and, you know, skating. I just got to get on the ice somewhere. So I go to this absolute like dump of a rink. I love it, but it's a dump and it's in Phoenix. And I get on the ice at this uh, stick and puck. And there's just, it's just me and one other kid and a coach and the other kid was like sick. And I'm like looking down on the other side of the rink, like who the fuck is this guy that's like absolutely nasty? Like you could just tell, you know, like you could tell when someone someone can play. And it ended up being a guy that was a USHL player going to play at ASU. And he was sick. So I actually kind of floated down the other side of the rink. We passed it around a little bit. I was like, this kid is so fucking good. Like, what am I going to, what am I getting myself into? What happened was I ended up holding my own like pretty well in the camp because all the kids that were like really, really solid, they weren't skating at that camp. They were in a different skate. There was a couple here and there that were in the skate I was in, but I definitely didn't get the, you know, the doors blown off or anything like that. I was pretty like, on my high horse because I thought like, oh, well, you know, I, I've played with good kids before I played in the AJ. And at the time, AJ was very hit or miss. Like, even though he's five years younger than me or whatever the fuck, or four years, playing against guys like Jeremy Bracco, I think McAvoy a couple games, he was like 10 years old playing the AJ. Not really, but um, I was like, I played against good players before, it's whatever. Uh, but the skill level, it, it was definitely like it, an eye-opener for sure. Like, I can't say I thought it was going to be like that until I got there. But yeah, it, w- it was pretty crazy to see that. Yeah, so that that kind of perfectly transitions us to our next question. So we have a little question we like to ask everybody who, who comes on the pod. What was your welcome to the ACHA moment? Like that moment where you got just absolutely leveled or Murph was saying you get the, the wheels blown off you and you're like, oh my God, this is it. I'm here. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There there was a, like I said, I wasn't on the division one team. I knew how good they were. They had so many good players on that team. That was one in the light where I was like, oh, well, like this is, you know, there's some good hockey out here. I got to say, just like the bus trips to fucking Utah, they were just like greasy. I didn't know Utah had a team. I didn't know Utah State, Utah University of Utah. I was like, what the fuck is going on up here? You know what? When I will say when I got there, another kind of welcome to the ACHA moment and a good thing was Utah pulled a fucking crowd. And I was like, what is going on? Like they had a like pretty strong fan base. I got hit from behind there. My knee was like the size of a softball. The crowd went crazy. I'm like, I can't believe like I'm playing in Utah after a 13 hour bus trip and just getting lit up like this. So I would, I would have to go with just the physicality. I'd say the surprise of good players playing in the league mixed with like the bus trip to somewhere like Utah, you know, because I never played out West ever before. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned like you mentioned being a hockey nerd like you think you know everything about hockey and then all of a sudden you're playing in Utah and you're like I didn't even know these Utah schools had hockey teams. Yeah, exactly. Like I I would always watch, you know, North Dakota, Minnesota, like St. Cloud, like all the ones that kind of got coverage in that sense. I was a hockey nerd for sure. Like for some reason, I don't remember why I did this. I fucking I toured UMass Amherst. 
Like I would never be able to play there. Yeah, I definitely was unfamiliar with Out West for sure. It, it was uh, it was pretty crazy. We, we talk a lot about Oceanside Arena because, as you know, like they just tore it down. It's like for a while it was the mecca of ACHA hockey. Like everyone has a story from Oceanside. People like to joke that, you know, you could touch the ceiling with your stick. Do you have any funny Oceanside <laughs> memories? Oh, man, there's so many, dude. There's so many. I'm pretty sure Powers, don't quote me on this, but he used to say it's a dump, but it's our dump. Oh, dude, that's a great question. There's so many. Yeah, probably just the fact that every time you got hit, you thought the boards are going to fall down. Probably the locker rooms, maybe like we the way it was set up where our locker room, we had to like walk through like these greasy little hallways to get to the showers. I never had anything like the lights go out or anything like that, but it was it was different, dude. It, it was it was a literal barn in the middle of like like you look across Oceanside and it's just desert. It was pretty weird. I'm sure after this is done too, I'm gonna be like, fuck, I should have said when this happened, but I just I can't I can't think right now. You mentioned like the travel to Utah. Like, what, were there any other places that you guys had to do crazy travel to? Uh, not I mean California. I think the only thing crazy about that was like, I can't believe I'm on a bus to fucking California to play hockey to San Jose state and long beach university. Like I thought everyone there was just like, you know, going surfing and smoking weed. I, I was like, Oh, and I'm on a bus, you know, to go play hockey in these areas. So I think that was probably like a weird one for me going to play in California like that and being excited about it. Cause I've never been out there before. I was like, the last thing I was thinking about was the game or anything like that. At what point in your hockey career are you getting really big into like the social media side of things? I heard you explaining on Missing Curfew a couple of weeks ago, like you had a personal Twitter account and then some a coach told you you had to knock it off on the personal and that kind of inspired this burner. Like walk us through how you got started as like a social media personality. I was in uh, New Jersey and I was definitely a loose cannon that year. Like my first two years, I was kind of taking it seriously. And then, you know, you hit that moment kind of, some people never hit that moment where I was like, you know what? Like, I'm not that fucking good. Like, I don't care anymore. I'm not, I'm going to go through the motions and workouts. Like, I don't, you know, I'm going to, when I was playing in uh, New Hampshire, like I'll go to UNH and party at UNH. So I kind of ended doing that in my last year. So with that, I was like tweeting whatever I wanted and, you know, whether it be getting drunk or you're looking back on it, so stupid, but you know, just being reckless. And a coach told me like, Hey man, I, I you know, Twitter page is like pretty out of control. Like you shouldn't be saying this, like blah, blah, blah. So at the time I was a huge fan of uh, Ottawa ghost YouTube videos. And it kind of like lined up perfectly with my attitude. And I didn't have a bad attitude, but I would kind of be like a clown, like in the locker room, um, wherever. And I just, made the account and like somewhat narrating Danny Heatley's career, somewhat tweeting shit that I was actually doing in real life while I was playing, like changing on the back check and shit like that. Like things I was actually doing. It blew up because um mostly in part of Taylor Hall retweeting it actually. And one of the days in my my New Jersey days, their goalie in New Jersey turned around, we're on a bus somewhere, I don't remember, and he just was like, dude, like you have like a thousand followers. Like just one I was like, What? What are you talking about? And uh from a thousand it just went to ten and up and up and up. It was wild, dude. I, I would have never expected that, like ever. But totally on accident. I've said this before, but I probably owe Taylor Hall a beer after that just because um, you know, I don't know if it would ever got that big if it wasn't for him kind of, you know retweeting it to the hockey world or or he interacted with it somehow it was a long time ago but yeah that's that's how it started yeah just trying to narrate uh what i was going through like joking about the nhl and heatley and all that shit yeah 
you had your like biz nasty moment where they eat, they call you into the coach's office and they tell you you got to get off the Twitter. Yeah, yeah, for sure, dude. I, I like I wasn't called like a liability, but it was so random too because my personal account was like not big, you know, some nobody like I'm getting healthy scraps and shit. Uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll never say the name of the coach publicly, but I don't know how he found it. I wanted to be like, dude, how did you even find this account? Because you know, this is Twitter in twenty. 13 it's not like it is now where everyone has it. it's new new but you know it was a while ago twitter was a, a lot more enjoyable back then too i'm sure you could you would agree yeah dude i had to go back and delete so many so much shit dude like, it was nothing bad but just you know we're yeah we're definitely having a lot of fun on there it's crazy now it's insane at what point do you you're at asu and you're doing you're still doing the, the heatley account at what point do you like branch off and start the wet jeans pod? Yeah, dude, I, I came in like pretty hot to school with the account. Like it was really going off and like people, just a quick story about it. One kid came in the locker room. This is during a tryout scrimmage. And he's like, who's the not Danny Heatley guy? Who is it? And he was going from each locker room, like asking everyone. Cause like nobody knew, like nobody besides me and one other kid I knew and out of all the kids there, there was like four locker rooms full of kids. I just sat there. I didn't say shit. Eventually, I found out on the ice and like every single skate like that week, kids would line up the next next to me, comment about it. Like I'm pretty sure a few kids didn't hit me in the corners because of it because like, they, they liked it. But yeah, it, it was like going full speed all through school. And I got offered to do a, um, a podcast in 2018 that ended up not working out. I was really pumped to start doing a podcast. I was, I was like, you know, this would be, this is kind of right up my alley. Like I'm a kind of like, I don't shut the fuck up. It's perfect. I got a microphone, you know, I could have a good time with it. Podcast was with uh, two former NHL guys. So I, I was like stoked. I was like, this is going to be awesome. Ended up falling through schedule conflicts. And I said, you know what? Like, I I'm just going to start my own. And, and that's how it started. But I didn't have any credential or hockey credential, really, or NHL people to bring on. So I just said, I'm just going to, you know, bring on a, a buddy and shoot the shit. Talk about Andy a little bit. I mean, for people who listen to Wet Jeans, like, he he's your right-hand guy. Like, how did you meet Andy? Like, how long have you guys known each other? Like, eight years, probably, maybe more. I was playing for the Boston Bulldogs. Did you play for Mike Odessa with the Bulldogs? I practiced with the A team, but I played B, but I was on the ice with that guy. I have a story wow. about him, but you know. Um, Unbelievable how many people in the hockey world know Mike Odessa. It's, cra it's crazy. He actually looked me in the face one time and he said, "You will." he actually told me, this is about URI too. He goes, you're not even good enough to play at URI. It was pretty fun. Yeah, I do. I'm, I'm very, very uh, familiar with him. Yeah, I was, I was playing for the Bulldogs. They were still the Bulldogs at the time billeting in Concord, New Hampshire. At my billets, it was a kid who was, shout out Dustin, I know he'll listen to this. He was playing high school hockey and his friend group, Andy was in it. So since I was like 40 minutes away from the rink too, I was billeting like pretty far away for, for normal. I don't know why that happened, but yeah. And Andy was a part of his friend group. So I ended up just befriending his friends and yeah, and that was it. And Andy, uh, he went to UNH. I'm pretty sure I went to ASU with a kid from the area as well that I met through billeting. And we ended up just all at going down the ASU. Uh, me and one kid were like the first to go. And then a, a few others followed after. They were like, this is insane. Like you guys, you know, you have a lazy river pool in your complex. Like, why the fuck am I in school in Chicago? Like I'm going to ASU. He followed us down here. And yeah, that, that was, uh, that's how I met him. 
That's awesome. I mean, like, it's crazy. I, I was listening to today to, to get caught up. I'm pissed as much as you guys are, but I want to get your thoughts on here. Like, as an avid podcaster, what are your thoughts on, on Meghan Markle and Spotify throwing her the bag and, and her taking advantage of it? Dude, it's just crazy. Like, I don't, like... I want to say no disrespect to Prince Harry, but full disrespect. Like, I, I don't even blame him, actually, for getting 20 mil. But Spotify, like, what the fuck is that, dude? $20 million to Meghan Markle and Prince Harry? There's no way they could ever say anything that that's interesting unless they're, like, airing out dirty laundry of their castle or whatever the hell, the royal family, that's worth 20 mil. And I'm just like, guys like me and you, you guys are, this is the 100th episode. Congrats, by the way. That's awesome. Uh, you know, I'm 200-something I'm episodes in, like, where the fuck is my 20 million? Where's your 20 million? Like, it's ridiculous. We'll pitch it to Spotify and we can split it. Yeah, I'm, da- I'm down. Yeah. We'll fill the time slot at the Spotify. But Collins went, went through. I want to turn it over to him. And uh, he found some of his favorite tweets. So we want to, we want to kind of get your thoughts looking back on this. He, he pulled up some of, some of the heavy hitters. We're going to have a little explain this tweet segment. So first off, this one, we're, we're going far back. We're going to, to 2013. Obviously, this one is back when you were still kind of really heavy on the the Danny Heatley perspective parody type thing. So, yeah, me and Pomneville hotbox the tubes at McDonald's play place. And now I'm lost as shit up in here. Palmer's face down in the ball pit. Yeah, I remember tweeting that. That was a classic, actually. But a lot of people like that one. A lot of people bring that up to this day like you just did. I, I don't know if I have an explanation on that one. Uh, I was probably stoned. But I don't know. I can't say I was in a ball pit or a place like that. No explanation, really. I was probably just doing some dumb shit with my buddies at 2013. So yeah, that that's ASU probably. Yeah, I don't I don't know where that came from. That that sounds like an academic probation tweet, to be honest with you. Just bored. I was on academic probation for a bit. That sounds like one of those. <laughs> Moving on to the next one. This one kind of throws me for a bit of a loop. Another another way back one. Yeah, when I retire, I'm gonna be an old drunk fuck sitting on my porch yelling at kids to get to class, even though it's the weekend. Yeah, that yeah. I mean, that's probably true. Uh, <laughs> that's probably uh, if I have a porch one day. I think people are going to take the long way home. No one's going to walk in front of it, especially if I'm, uh, you know, Dave Pip tipping back the bottle. But yeah, that that's another. Cl- yeah. You, how did you get these? You scroll back? Scrolling back. Main, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, like man, and yeah. I, mean, I, I bookmarked some stuff. What's impressive, too, is is Colin's got like the late call. Like I forgot to text him earlier in the day what time we were doing this. And uh, I mean, he had them ready to go within 10 minutes so yeah those, those are classics dude i remember very like vividly tweeting those ones i was worried i was gonna forget but yeah that that's awesome <laughs> that's definitely freshman year uh or whenever the fuck i was on it was a period where i was really bored uh letting him rip like that's all i did i would just sit i'm not gonna say press box because there was no press box at oceanside i was stand in the corner of the rink just ripping off tweets <laughs> so we got one more this is probably one of the the greatest tweets you've ever put out one that actually i think is going to go down in twitter history as one of the greatest hockey tweets of all time this was december 7th 2021 the zegris goal zegris and milano making the nhl look like a drop-in hockey session in uh, on a southern california roller hockey rink these guys might as well just play in a backwards hat and board shorts i have never seen a goal that gangster in my life i just got completely naked in my in my living room <laughs> I, ju- I just got completely naked in my living room on the daily. So were you actually? No, no, I, I wasn't. But that 
I did have a thing once where if it went to overtime, I would take off my shirt just to like rally the boys. And if it went to double overtime, pants, et cetera, I never got as far as getting completely naked in the living room. Honestly, that's rude of me. I should have because that play, I deserved it. I'm pretty sure that was that was about to flip over the net goal, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I should have. I Out of respect to that play, I should have done that. But I appreciate you liking that tweet. What a wild play by those guys. I, I still st- stand by that tweet. It's just the scale of those guys, especially Zegris. He's young. Milano, too. I mean, Milano coming up was like, obviously, he's a Long Island guy. The finesse and skill those guys have, it's just absolutely insane. Like, I wish Gary would pay the players. Like, they should be making like 10 mil each just for having hands like that you've stayed in arizona since school right like have you have you ever moved back to the east coast or have you been down there since then no i've been here since then i always thought i was going to move back just got like way too fun here and from a graduating school standpoint it was like okay well am i gonna go back to new york and pay like this insane rent and the weather sucks half the year and or am I going to stay here where I've kind of like, you know, one foot in already and, you know, I'll just dive in. But yeah, I've been here. I have not left. I, uh, I love it. Besides right now when, it's, you know, 108 degrees for the most part. Yeah. You know, I've, I've made a lot of friends here. Uh, I enjoy it here. You know, it feels like a vacation, like just like school was like school is an absolute vacation. I know it's a kind of disrespectful to say that because don't get me wrong. You can get a good education at Arizona State. I just didn't do that because I'm an idiot. Uh, but yeah. You, if you check the tweets enough and you and Bo Bennett do enjoy the games at Mullet Arena together, like what has that atmosphere been like? Like everybody will come on and dump on the Coyotes playing in Mullet Arena, move the team. Like what is your like state of the union with Arizona hockey? Well, first of all, the program at ASU is fucking insane. To see it come up from what it was, to see the uh, recruits come in, even the guys, the earlier guys, like when I was in school and all those good guys came in, like they didn't have to come here. They, they like built the foundation of the team. And with that, you know, the work of the staff and the, everything, powers, all that. To see that rink on campus is, it's like, it's fucking weird. It, it's, uh, it's like, wow, they really did it. It's super fun. Uh, it, it's a real, you know, I feel like it's a hockey town. People are probably going to chirp me for that. When I went to those ASU, ASU games this year, unbelievable a lot of students there sold out loud uh just great as for the coyotes i think i I have a lot of mixed feelings about them because i want them to do well they're a really good group of guys on that team just them playing there sucks you know it's just like get these guys a fucking rank they got to do something it's good in the meantime but as for hockey in arizona i want it to stay there's a fan base here i don't care anyone says i don't care you know reading tweets sometimes is frustrating people just don't know what the fuck they're talking about uh, if you get a rink in the right spot, Tempe, even maybe like fucking, you know, West Mesa or somewhere in Scottsdale, it'll do well. They'll do well. The players like playing here. It's an unbelievable place to play hockey. There's certainly a fan base here. I'm all for keeping them here. And, you know, all the people that think they should be moved just like don't know what the fuck they're talking about. There's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that like I'm sure I don't know about, too, but there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that led up to them being where they're at right now. If the not the program, but the organization like, you know, can get their head on street. Somehow they get arena. They'll, they'll be just fine out here. That That must be like insane for you considering like you were there in 2013 when it was Oceanside and there was 
zero talk of going like NCAA. Like the thought of Mullet Arena in 2013 would have put someone in a coma. It was honestly, it was really crazy. And I got there, I got there at such a weird time because like I came into Arizona State thinking that I am going to booze, I'm going to party, and I'll still be able to perform, and the coaches aren't going to care. And that, They were gearing up. We're going to be NCAA. Like I wasn't even on the top team, and even my team was like a little too serious for my liking. I didn't have to put Bailey's in my Starbucks and, and drink it before the game like that. Like I didn't have to shouldn't have done that i came here thinking it was gonna be like you know a free-for-all and it wasn't they were gearing up ready to go like they got good talent they were taking it very seriously but yeah how it unfolded i would have never thought it would have happened that quickly the way it did uh like you know they have guys playing obviously they have guys playing the nhl like joey decord it's just it's insane it's insane to think that that guy played at you know oceanside arena and he has nhl games it's it's unbelievable It, it was really wild to see it was really cool to see actually and we'll, we'll mention it now. We brought it up before, but really cool. I actually can't believe it took this long for Coach Powers to get inducted into the ACHA Hall of Fame this uh, this offseason was really cool to see. He was there. He was a player. He coached. And now, you know, he took him to the NCAA level. And it's probably not far off that they'll be in the Frozen Four. Yeah, it's so wild, man. It's just like, obviously, he had a vision. And I can't imagine the amount of doubters, how many people probably, you know, laughed at him and the organization as a whole. But yeah, they did it, man. If you got if you ever get a chance to go to Mola, I'm not sure if you've been there. uh, It's incredible. It's a full blown, you know, facility, obviously. It was so insane to me that NHL draft picks were playing in that rank. Like I remember one guy was drafted by Nashville. Credit to the players, too, for believing in the, the program and believing in, uh, you know, what the vision was. And, you know, it, yeah, it came to fruition. It, it, it's absolutely sick. It, I'm so jealous, too. Like, I wish I wish I didn't have concrete boots or maybe I could have, you know, played. Friend of the pod who, who helped us set this all up and sent you the DM to get you here. I want to give him a shout out. Johnny Cajola and Matt Beater. They're my guys. They're dedicated hockey house pod and wet jeans enthusiasts. Uh, he wanted me to ask, how many points would you have had in the ACHA if your Reebok pumps didn't cut off the circulation to your ankles? I probably, I could have seen myself putting up like, let's just call it like 25 games, probably 50 goals, probably like another 70 assists. I could have probably seen that happening. Uh, <laughs> also, if I didn't get healthy scratch so much for like going out and drinking, I have a couple of funny stories about that easily see myself putting up 110 to anywhere from 110 to like 300 points depending if we're playing teams in california and utah i probably would have been held to like a point a game but if we go out and play like long beach or san jose state you're probably i'm probably looking at like six to seven points a game so it was a little more than just the reebok pumps like what what was the best story behind you getting scratched oh it's so easy uh we're in california you know i i didn't not, not a bad guy, but I didn't necessarily get off on the right foot with my coaching staff. I came into school full party mode. I, I was making a little bit, not, not good money, but like good money for a college kid. And I was 21 year old freshman and I've never seen anything like Arizona state. The bars were right next to the, you know, there's a street of bars right next to the campus. So I just went crazy. And I, I don't think I got a lot of respect for that, which I shouldn't have. I, I would get healthy like right away. I wasn't a, f- a favorite with the coaches and like, I'm coachable. I-, I feel like I'm likable on teams, but I think he probably thought that I was just like this brat or this, uh, you know, cocky idiot 
that's probably how I came off. And there was just one game, me and my friend, we would really, our pregame coffee would for sure have a little bit of the Irish cream in it because we, you know, we were just fucking around. And he scratched me for a bunch of games after he found that out. We're in California. Some kid, our center got hurt. I wasn't even supposed to play. He's like, Rob, you're in, blah, 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 top line, whatever. So I'm in, I go from not playing, playing on the first line with my buddy, who's a great friend of mine, great player. Shout out Jamie. I had six points that game. He had six points that game. I think I, I went three and three, three goals, three assists. I don't know. I forget what he did. But the next game, I got healthy. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Like the next game in California. So our captain like went up to coach and I wasn't there for this conversation. But he's like, he's like, dude, like, Rob had six points last night. Like, why, why? And that's actually like half my career points at Arizona. I had a bunch of other ones that I have a problem with because I didn't record them. But it was like half of my stats that one game because I got good minutes. I would never really play that much. Why are you scratching? Like, Rob, you had six points last night. What? He said something along the lines of like, did you smell his coffee? Like, just mad that, like, I was boozing and shit. I got to say, that was the coolest moment getting scratched ever because, like, I don't think anyone in the history of hockey, like, and I, I'm actually a lot of times I'm satirical. I, I don't think anybody in the history of any level of hockey has been healthy scratched after a six-point game. So that was probably the coolest. As, like, a guy who who was scratched a lot, well, I mean, tweeting was probably one thing that you did to pass the time, but what was – your favorite thing to do when you were scratched and what was like your least favorite, like maybe a scratch duty that you hated having to do? Definitely water bottle. I mean, you know what? It didn't even bother me doing shit like water bottles and getting tape and all that shit. I, you know, I did the same thing in junior. I was a team guy. I, I do whatever for the guys. Um, my favorite part was for sure just bullshitting with the guys that wanted to bullshit. Some guys take it, you know, seriously. Uh, definitely standing around and, you know, in the ranks wearing a peacoat acting like, you know, uh, I'm the shit. Uh, just, you know, joking with the guys is the best and probably least favorite was, you know, doing, uh, you know, I, I can't even say like doing the water bottles or taking stats. I, I can't remember if I ever took stats. I definitely did it. I, I might've been told to, but I did probably just not playing. You know, I wanted to play, you know, some of that was self-inflicted. Obviously, you know, I can't blame it all on the coach. Like, like I said, I was on academic probation. I couldn't play during that whole semester. Kind of a fun fact. I had less than a one GPA at a 0.92. And it was because I wasn't going to class. I straight up just wasn't going. Just being a full-blown idiot. And basically, I was on academic probation for a whole semester. Um, I had to like get this mandatory success coach until I was able to play. That was brutal. Not being able to play with the guys. Yeah, it was crazy. It was. Uh, it sucked. I mean, that's impressive because I feel like a lot of kids, especially at ASU, probably dig themselves that hole and never get out of it. Yeah, definitely. Like I know, like I had to do summer classes every year. And I know a few guys in that same situation as well. Yeah, it was, uh, like I said, it wasn't like so much where, you know, don't get me wrong. It wasn't like, you know, this full-blown degenerate, you know, hobbling into the rink or anything like that. I, I just, I've never been in that environment before. And I was just having way too much fun. And I know of, you know, a few guys that were like that. But yeah, dude, it, it was uh, it was definitely a good time. You mentioned like the state of Arizona hockey. It looks like the neighbors in Tucson are fallen in love with what's happened at, at Tempe and, and Mullet Arena and everything. They're building a 2,000-seat arena for U of A to play at. As a guy who spent a lot of time in Arizona, like how cool – I know it's the rival for ASU, but like how cool is that to see like another Arizona school is committing themselves to hockey? Oh, no, it's sick. I think the whole desert needs to do it. I think Vegas is going to tag along soon too. The rival between 
U of A and ASU hockey, like even in the club days was insane. Like they would pack the house in Tucson. Like it was, I actually never got to play in one of those games. I don't know why I feel like I should have, I should have, but they really bring it down there. And it's, it's cool to see that they're actually going to follow through and hopefully, and uh, have a real legit program there. Cause it's definitely, they have the fan base. They have the passion, the rivalry between ASU hockey and U of A hockey in an NCAA setting would be fucking incredible. Like that would be just belligerent in a good way. But yeah, it's really cool to see. I think Vegas is going to follow suit next, and hopefully, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, the more the more the better. I mean, the talent's there, so yeah, that'll be cool. I'm not sure if you know this, but U of A is going to travel and do an exhibition game at Mullet against the NCAA Division One team, and I'm sure that'll be a gong show because people are going to go nuts for it. Yeah, I didn't know that, but I will be in the house for that. <laughs> I, I can't wait. Yeah, there's something about that ASU U of A rivalry, like in in every sport too. It's cool as a hockey fan in general. I I, I love the fact they're doing that. Um, a lot of people probably are like, you know, they hate U of A. It's a real rivalry, man. People people really don't like U of A. Some you know, from my experience, that will be an absolute barn burner. Yeah, I can't wait. I didn't know that. I'm glad you told me that. So I'm gonna text Powers and beg him for tickets right when we're done with this. <laughs> Just like looking back on it, your, your hockey career, what's the craziest thing from all the social media, the Heat Daddy account, Wet Jeans, like that, like looking back on it, like would have never happened if you didn't do like all this media stuff. Like looking back on it now, it's like, what's something that has like stood out to you that would have never happened to you if you didn't start tweeting? Probably wouldn't be able to afford to stay in school uh, because I was selling t-shirts out of my dorm room and like my dorm room was a sweat sweatshop. That's one of them. I was able to, I was able to, uh, you know, stay in school because of that pretty much. I would have definitely never had a chance to meet guys in the league. It was really cool being embraced by guys that were, you know, whether on the Coyotes or on the Rangers, if there was a guy on the Rangers, I don't know if he wants me to say his name, but I was at Gila River Arena for a Rangers Coyotes game. And I've never, you know, not even once ever DM'd a guy that was following me and said, like, hey, let's booze or whatever like that. But I had a couple of Dos Equis tall boys. One thing needs to another. I'm like, hey, are you boys going? Are you guys in town after the game? And he's like, yeah, come. So I went and I got to, like, spend the rest of the night with the team. Um, and from there, I just met, you know, person after person after person. Meeting some of those guys really, like, opened a lot of doors for me out in Arizona that would obviously never happen if I wasn't doing Twitter mixed with being a hockey player out here for sure. So that, that was something that was really cool to meet guys that played in the league and, and professionals around the league too, like in media and stuff. I always see like the NHL partnering with like TikTok creators. Like we got to get Gary to like get you in on the creator team for the NHL. Yeah, I think I'm blackballed. I think I'm blackballed. <laughs> I don't know. I can't imagine why. Like, yeah, I, I agree, man. I think it's funny you say that because uh, I just did a interview, not an interview, but a little bit with Bleacher Report at the game. He wasn't necessarily, he wasn't on my case at all about a filter, but some people are just like, dude, like don't tweet this or don't say that. Like, I like to think I'm relatively like media trained. Like I'm not going to get on and, you know, use slurs or act crazy. I'm not as big as an idiot as I, I'm still an idiot. Don't get me wrong, but I don't, I portray definitely a bigger idiot on the Twitter. So I feel like just because I toe the line that they, they have me blackballed. Like Gary directly has me blackballed. I'm sick of it. All right. Uh, before we wrap it up, one of my favorite things that you do, and I think everybody, every hockey player ever does it. What goes into the what kind of night tweet it's going to be? 
Like what, who's your go-to? Like if you were going to go out tonight, what kind of night would it be? Who's your, like your favorite player to, to peg as the, it's this kind of night? Definitely the Kostitsins, Andre and Sergey, because I admire that they change on the bat check in the NHL. I think that's so fucking cool. Just like to be making millions and millions of dollars playing hockey and to see like, if I get off the ice right now, there's going to be an odd man rush and just not care. Like, I love that. I think that's so cool. That's more of like a Friday and Saturday kind of electricity or energy. Sorry. They're up there. The Kostitsins. Probably Bill Guerin is up there just because of some stories I've heard. You ever see that video of him cross-checking a prospect in the face at rookie camp? No, like recently? No, no, no. This is like when he was on the Stars. Oh, okay. Yeah. He was on the... It, it's insane. But that's like... A good one. A Chris Simon night. I wouldn't have a Chris Simon night on a Wednesday night. I like to tweet about like just guys that were reckless and didn't give a fuck. Probably for a Wednesday. Like if I was going to go out tonight, like gun to my head, I would probably pick like a, uh, try not to sewer anyone. I really want to say one guy it's in the league, but I'm not gonna, I uh, <laughs> forget these guys have to have reputations. See, question. you're good. You're good with media. You know that you can't hurt anybody's reputation. Yeah. Like, I, you know, even like earlier in the wet jeans days, I would have some NHL guys on. I think I wanted more shit edited out than they did. I was like, you know, I want to be careful. I don't want to put anyone's career, not career in jeopardy, but like, I don't want to associate my image of being a, an animal with them. But yeah, I, you know, I'm trying to think Wednesday night, what kind of, I, I think it would be a solid night to have like a, uh, like a Sergey Zuboff kind of night, like smoke 50 cigarettes kind of night, maybe something like that. Like maybe go to the casino in between periods. So that, that's what I would pick. That's amazing. Well, hey, Rob, thank you so much for taking the time and, and celebrating 100 episodes with us. Uh, appreciate that you have some ties to the ACHA and are willing to come and talk shop with us. Yeah, definitely, guys. I appreciate uh, you know, having me on and congrats on the 100th episode. That's sick. Keep going. You know, I know the grind of a podcaster. It's not easy. Congrats and thanks for having me on. That was a blast. Once again, thank you to Rob for joining us. Also, I know I gave him a shout out during the interview, but really want to thank my guys, Matt Beater and Johnny Cajola. Matt Beater does the social media, or he did the social media for us at Cuse. Johnny Cajola, a longtime roommate of mine. They are diehard wet jeans listeners. They got Rob's attention. We got Rob on the pod and just some wild stories from back in 2013. And, and the journey he's been on, I mean, he was all over the place when Vegas was in the final. So to get him on after all that was, was a lot of fun. And I think, uh, I mean, Collins, he was a pretty down to earth guy and, and he, he felt like he could turn off the the jokes and, and was, was kind of just like us. Yeah, no, he, it was, he was great guy. I mean, I've been following his Twitter page for God knows how long I kind of went into it expecting that, uh, you know, this is going to be a total, total joke fest. And he gave us some some really good insight on what the league was like back in the day, which I thought was great. And it's been really cool to see, you know, how much the league has changed and how much more serious things are now. And I mean, it sounded like when, you know, even at ASU back then, they had that goal of this is going to be D1 one day. And I commend Coach Powers for everything he's done. And it's been it's been really cool to hear another ASU perspective on you know how that program has grown so great great interview 
um, you know, also some some very funny moments too. Yeah, shout shout out to Herm. That was definitely probably a, a weird one to go back and edit after the fact after Collins and I did the interview uh, with with no context there. But thanks to Rob for for coming on. Love doing the collab here, and and hopefully we can get that uh, twenty million dollars that Spotify gave to Meghan Markle back for for us here. So without further ado, we want to turn it over to some of our top moments here, and I did it in in chronological order of who was here first. So I get to go last because I, I have the most pods recorded. So we'll throw it over to the newest member of the pod and Collins. I want to hear, we'll kind of just go through your favorite memories of the pod. And if you bring up a memory that one of us had on the list, we'll kind of dive in there. I've had a ton of just absolutely amazing memories and been extremely fortunate to, you know, have even in, yeah, in 2021, just run social at or CHF Natty's <laughs> and starting the Lax House. That was interesting. I, my freshman year at Villanova, there was no hockey and playing lacrosse. And I, I stumbled across the hockey house and, you know, I, I started posting TikToks and Murph followed me back on TikTok. I was like, who is this guy? And then I was like, oh, shit, that's the hockey house, dude. And so I fired him a DM on TikTok. And I was like, hey, I love what you're doing with the hockey house. I have an idea of, you know, growing this and making a club lacrosse version of this. We didn't make it to the three episode mark, <laughs> made it to two. Um, there were some external factors in trying to find hosts. I just didn't want to go it alone as I don't think people would want to hear me speak for you know an hour by myself and just ramble on about about club lacrosse but with the social media we we did a good job with that or took that to right around a thousand followers before its ultimate demise and i made the hockey team at nova and things just kind of went from there but top three memories i i kind of have these broken down Actually, you know, I'm going to add a fourth. They're kind of broken down to while recording, you know, at nationals, uh, you know, between us three and then, you know, just kind of meeting people. So the first, my all time favorite thing is the why is it called Oceanside? That was, I think, one of my brightest moments as I was just tired, zoned out. I just thought to myself, we were talking about ASU. I was like holy shit, why is this Oceanside? It's nowhere near an ocean. And we we found out a couple of months ago and that there was a, a water park right next to it called Oceanside. I can't believe that you didn't bring that up in front of Rob. I almost wanted to ask the question for you, but I didn't want to didn't want to like one up you. But I, I'm sure Rob on that. Yeah, I, I, I forgot about asking Rob. I, we should have. We totally should have. But yeah, Rob, if you're listening, please tweet something about explaining why it's called Oceanside Arena. I would love to hear your take on it. Second, this is one of the weirder experiences. Having to share a bed with Murph for four nights at Natty's. First in Philly. You know, we were lucky that we had a, a big king-sized bed and we weren't really super close to each other. And then uh, <laughs> up in Marlboro, we were sharing this this tiny little twins, or not twin, but full-size mattress right next to each other. It was interesting to say the least, but you know, I we grew closer as a podcast sharing that tiny room together. And then I think Murph, you also have this the the hockey house lady at AAU Nationals. That was hilarious. Just we were walking around, she saw we were wearing hockey house merch. Oh, would you look at that? That's so funny. My son lives at the hockey house, which was just all time. And I think as Murph said, you know, 
multiple episodes prior, we we really got the nail on the head with the name. That that was a that was a great moment. The bed in Philly that we had to share, we we were in separate zip codes. We made it work. The one in Marlboro was a tight squeeze. And I think when you listen to that clip that Herm's going to throw in here of Craig Barnett talking about us being the first ones at the rink and the last ones sleeve. He didn't mention the, the the living conditions that we were in and squeezing into those beds in Marlboro. I mean, it was full on like the Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the TV meme when that mom was like, do you guys play on Clemson? We were like, no, no, no. And she was like, oh, like I just saw the sweatshirts. Like my son lives in the hockey house. And we had to explain to her that we were a podcast and then we covered her son. Like our job was was covering her son. And then she immediately wanted to buy a hoodie. I think she bought two hats that weekend, which was a huge plus. But those were, were definitely some good times. Herm, you came on the scene, as mentioned from the DM earlier. I was editing this thing whenever I had free time. I didn't want to let you edit the podcast. We've told that story probably uh, 10 times at least now. I finally bit on it because I was too slammed with work one week and, and you did a great job and we've had you ever since. But walk us through some of the memories that, that stand out to you over the last couple of years. I don't know what your problem was with Marlboro. I was totally cozy in, in my bed. That's sounds sounds like you guys' problem. I'll lead off with one of my favorite moments from Nationals, which was this year. We walk into one of the rinks in... Marlboro and the Lawrence Tech fan section. I'll call it that. It's really the scratch section. Those guys, we walk in all wearing hockey house stuff. They're all the way across the rink from us. And we were all in this little group together. And they've got cowbells going and chanting our name. And Murph's got the video of it, posted it on LinkedIn. It was so, so cool to feel like the the D minus list celebrities that we are. It was it was insane. Second thing on my list is Frozen Finley to go down to Raleigh and experience 25,000 plus people in Carter Finley Stadium for an ACHA game to fight through this stigma of the ACHA is a joke. The ACHA is glorified beer league. And these guys are out there because of the work that their coaches have put in be, because of the work that the media teams have put in to to get themselves on a, a national stage to fight for that ESPN spit and chicklets coverage. And now it's all coming to fruition and just feeling the energy of the crowd as they're chanting Wolfpack back and forth across the stadium. Surreal, insane. And to to photograph that will never, ever, ever leave me. I had this on my list as well, and I wanted to bring it up because from an outside perspective, there was no stream for that game. Like if you weren't there, you weren't going to be able to watch it. And I remember just sitting at the desk, like had Premiere open, had Photoshop open, and was just waiting for something in the game to happen so that we could post something and be ready for it. Sure enough, I got a text from my my buddy Ford Hatchet and his dad, who still lives in Raleigh to this day, big Wolfpack fan, was at the game and sent Ford a video. So Ford sent me the video and then I posted it right to our account. And I don't I mean that's got like thirty thousand likes to this day. And I think the craziest part from all of this was one, just seeing like you went dark. Like zero dark thirty, like we didn't hear from you for hours because you were just immersed in this 
environment that was insane. And I, I don't blame you. As soon, I just remember as soon as you like got out and I, I, I found that you had like a pulse and you were alive, the momentum that we got, the ACHA got, that college hockey as a whole got after that event was just really cool to be a part of because I had it in my notes here. Let me find them. But the video from Mr. Hatchet that we posted, you had the photos of the no bucket warm up, which went viral. Maybe a little bit of clickbait, but the attendance graphic about how they got more fans than the frozen Fenway games combined. And then on top of that, we did the reel of, of Zach Herman who, talking about what it was like to score the first goal for the Wolfpack in that game. And just the momentum, I think, I feel like that pushed us, you know, to the finish line of the season. And that was a really kind of a turning NFL films turning point moment for us. Once in a lifetime event. And I am forever grateful that I made that trip down. So sad that Murph wasn't able to make that trip because that was, for the record, the first call I made when I found out it was happening. I walked into the concourse at the odd and was like, Murph, are we doing this right now? Murph needed to conserve days so he could graduate, which he has, so we're very happy about that. My top moment for sure is the moments of serenity that I had on the ice after nationals once I was done with both tournaments, both in St. Louis and in Marlboro. I was, I think, the last one off the ice both times for for men's one talk about just the culmination of of hard work and effort craig really said it best murph you you mentioned it of like first ones in last ones out like we we were there late and working our tails off it was just a, a special feeling to take in that silence and and reflect on everything that we had accomplished honorable mention uh, for me getting to talk up the hockey house during interviews it is my favorite thing to do in the world uh, and all of the locker room celebrations during nationals that I have had the privilege of being allowed in to to photograph. I still think that that hope photo of them hugging uh, with the the trophy being raised in the background is is one of my favorite photos all time. Uh, with the boys, Fitzy saving my life in bingo, making sure that I was okay after taking both the COVID booster and the flu shot. That was my Michael Jordan game right there. As I was in the Veterans Coliseum and photographing, I was so wildly out of it, an absolute mess health-wise, and Fitzy made sure that I had water and, and made it through the night, basically. Glicksburger reviews, always a classic, always a treat. Uh, seeing Collins's talent and body of work grow as he's been a part of the podcast has been really, really special to see. I think my favorite Murph moment in person was his Ostrom takes no shifts off speech. There have been many moments that I have wanted to run through a wall for Mackenzie Murphy. Uh, this was different to see him fire up a whole lot of cute guys like that that was a ton of fun yeah and i want to add just a little bit more context to the these speeches because people are gonna think like i'm nuts for for trying to fire up the boys on just a, a random saturday night but you know considering we didn't have the best record this year i think i gave a, a lot of very good one-liner speeches where i went no notes no ums no obviously's in the speeches like i gave some pretty off the cuff speeches this year and, and herm you were there for a lot of them but for context, we would have parties at the hockey house. And, you know, when you're the hockey team, we didn't really have any, we weren't really friends with other guys on campus. So the parties usually just had, you know, 30 of us. And then we would invite, uh, you know, a sorority would come over and we were usually heavily outnumbered. And so these groups of girls who want to come to the house, they want to have a good time. And we can't have steel beams in the house. We always say, you know, no steel beams. You can't, you can't be at a party and be in a steel beam. If you're being a steel beam, 
you're standing still and you're holding up the the roof. I would get up on stage and I would give these pump up speeches like we were in the locker room to get everybody fired up. And maybe if I just had given a couple more of those speeches in the locker room, we would have been better off. Besides the point, we had some some really good times in, in that house. And you mentioned Fitzy and Bingo, and I had that one on my list. So I'll start there as well, because Fitzy did have some notes and we're changing things up this week. We're recording on a Thursday night. Herm's going to have to turn this around really quickly, but I did want to get to to Fitzy's points. He mentioned having Herm come and shoot a game as one of his favorite moments. He mentioned when I brought the Cuse boys to the game. Unbelievable Herm. We've talked about this before on the show, but to go to Binghamton and we hadn't even like we we met Fitzy on virtually but we never met him in person as fun as it was to see him play in Binghamton it was unbelievable to see the fan support the genuine kindness that he has showed the city of Binghamton because everywhere we went if you mentioned that you knew Fitzy people had nothing but good things to say about him down there Colin Fitzgerald is a gem of a hockey player and a gem of an individual every single person that knows him will tell you that it is insane he also he wanted to shout out collins and herm for joining the pod he also mentioned that he hasn't really gotten to tell the story but he also he's been recognized walking down the street in binghamton by some of the aau boys this past season which we're gonna have to to give him a hard time about that next episode and then one that he brought up which i'm sad that he's not here because the, the two of you weren't here for the first episode. In the first episode, I had I was told, I forget by who, but we needed to record separate audio tracks. So like what we did to start was we were on Zoom. It was impossible to edit because it was three voices talking on one track, which, you know, Herm knows that that's not good. But if, if you don't know anything about podcasts, that's not good. What we tried to do was we all had AirPods in and we all decided to record a voice memo at the same time. So like we would hop on the recording and I would go three, two, one, go. And we would all hit play on the voice memos on our phone so that we could record three separate audio tracks. It was a disaster. We lasted five minutes doing that. It's a good, we did a test run and it did not work. So we just did Zoom for about Herm. How many? Like thirty episodes. You were you were here before third, right? I don't know. By the time Herm came around, we had it fixed. But that was bizarre. I, I completely forgot about that. And then I would be remiss if we didn't mention Glick. I mean, the, the contribution that Glick had to the show from the early beginnings with with me. And, and Fitzy, awesome times. And one of my top moments, uh, a couple of mine got repeated, but I also, Collins, the, the part about the woman recognizing our sweatshirts for saying Hockey House, talk about going and visiting Fitz and Bingo. One that sticks out to me from an operational standpoint is Herm and I chatted with Grinelli for probably 40 minutes after we recorded our episode with him. And just the wisdom and the advice and the motivation he gave us from his days of grinding paycheck to paycheck and doing chiclets on the side, I think that also happened in the weeks after Frozen Finley, those two events kind of combined for me. And like I said, the, the momentum to keep going with this, a lot of that came from that that interview with Grinelli and, and after the fact and getting to talk with him and Herm. I know we were we talked with Grinelli for an hour after the recording and then after Grinelli was gone, you and I talked for another hour on top of that. So, I mean, he didn't have to do that. He took the time out of his day, which just showed the kind of person he was. Murph and I have a recording between the two of us. It will not see the light of day. I don't know until when, probably until we're in our 40s, I'll guess 30s, something like when we're when we're old and gray at that point of how much of a pivotal evening it was for us as individuals and for what it meant to the hockey house it was like one of those movie moments it really felt like 
Yeah, and, and Herm, I do I do want to save that. I think there's going to be a time and the place where, where we drop that. Uh, building off of that, another very fun memory for me, the whole AAU national tournament was wild. That was a blast. And I ha- I put the witching hour when Collins and I were running from rink to rink in Westchester. We saw Binghamton beat Babson in overtime on an empty netter. We run over to the other rink. Georgia scores on a breakaway to beat St. Bonaventure in overtime. We go to edit the highlights from that game, and we're watching on the TV monitor. Liberty scores two goals to eliminate South Carolina. That game ends, and we finally make it over to the third rink in Westchester to see that Buffalo has a four-goal lead on FAU, and FAU just needs to lose by three goals. It was AAU witching hour at its finest. Collins, just the rush of adrenaline we had that day. Yeah, that was the busiest most nonstop day I believe we had throughout our entire nationals experience all world I am never going to forget that day it's hard to put into words what it was like trying to bounce around between ranks there was just so much going on that it was like hard to wrap your brain around all of this I mean and because earlier in the day too there was the whole Alabama Fordham debacle, which was just wild. So the entire time you're busy thinking about, you know, all these different outcomes. And uh, like we've said this before, it was like the final day of the Premier League. It was just crazy. So that was one of my favorite moments. Another one, which I was very appreciative of, was getting to go to the Flyers game with the AAU staff on the last night we were in Westchester. They had an extra ticket. They brought me along. I did not watch a single second of the Golden Knights Flyers game that night. We had a sweet, the amount of people that that came out to me and, and, and let us know that they appreciated what we were doing. And at the same time, like informed me about AAU college hockey and the ins and outs of that. It was just a really cool experience to get to talk to the top guns over at AAU and, and really learn a lot about that, you know, as, as well as having a good time watching the Flyers game. Would you like to explain your experience on the Xfinity Live Bowl? Yeah, I may have given the Xfinity Live Bowl a twirl uh, a couple times actually after that game. And it was just, it was a really good time. Exactly how I wanted to spend my last night in Philly. And I was very appreciative of, you know, AAU for having us out there. It seemed like the Xfinity Live Bowl gave you a twirl, if anything. It definitely did. It, it, it got the best of me. And there, there will probably be a day where we look back on that in the Hockey House pod post that full clip. But regardless of that, we did make it to Marlboro the next night and we continued the stretch on. I mean, just a heck of a ride. I feel like a lot of our f- best memories have been in the last couple months here. So I think that's a sign of, of good things to continue coming here. That does bring us to our question of the week. I asked everybody who, who their favorite guest was. It looks like we all picked two or three. So I think we're on the same page here. I'll go first. We'll do reverse order now. Favorite guest for me, love Grinnell. Loved having Rob on for this episode. Coach Powers was another really good one. But the ones that stand out to me were the ones that were surprising. I'm always surprised when we bring somebody on. They're a really great guest. And I thought Sean Hogan was one that stood out to me. His experiences in the ACHA and just knowledge of college hockey. That was a really good episode. And I feel like that was the turning point where we kind of had a lot of coaches start to listen. Maybe the tone of the pod shifted a little bit more of not just targeted towards players, but also parents and coaches who are listening and want to be more informed. So that was a cool experience. The other one was Ben Smith. And I can't remember how how we got Ben Smith on. 
I, I don't even know what the story behind that is, but good friend of the podcast to this day. And he was like our first guy to come on the pod who we didn't know. Like that, that was a shot in the dark. He could have been the worst guest ever and we would have had to deal with it. I learned so much about college hockey in the South. That's when we learned about the CHF at the time. They were no longer playing the ACHA. We found out about $2 Bush lattes at the games. We learned about, you know, the games against Clemson where they have to turn people away at the door. We were still learning about club hockey and he did such a good job of just telling us about how wild it was down South. So those are two that really stick out to me. Fitz had Ford Hatchet and Louis Shanks. Love to see a Syracuse guy get the nod here. Tim Kalinowski was another really good one that we had. Love bringing this. I could bring on Syracuse guys every week here. We had Jack Wren was a special host too. So I got to give those guys props, but Ford was our first guest. I thought it'd be easiest to bring on a friend to kind of help, you know, make the interview less awkward. And, and it was like a preseason game for that interview with Ben Smith. And Fitz also had Louis Shanks and we had Louis on twice. His journey rollerblading across the country is insane. Heck of a hockey career coming over from France, playing in the ACHA. He played NCAA D3, transferred to the ACHA, and then to rollerblade across the country after his career over. Unbelievable person. We, we continue to follow his journey and wish him nothing but the best. So those were Fitzy's picks. I'll throw it over to Herm for, for your picks. It's tough to pick a favorite. I went from a creative standpoint, Zach Frangelo uh, with the Savannah Bananas. I continue to see the work that he and the, the team over there do and am just astounded every single time. If you're a creative in either the ACHA or AAU College Hockey, you need to go back and listen to that episode. Grinnell for a whole lot of reasons, just because it was a, a watershed moment for us. We finally got our white whale and seeing someone who who I, I, I really idolized in the hockey world finally come on the pod was insane and Conco because Conco was an incredible time. Rombo and Keppel were characters and brought us back to uh, a different time of the hockey house pod interviews. Yeah, definitely. Well said cons. I thought are you, cause I think you and Herm got a little bit of overlap. Yeah. So uh, we definitely, we do have some overlap. I don't know. Herm also has this perspective too, as we were, you know, kind of listening before we joined the pod. Well, first I also had Conco boys, Rombo and Kappel on the list. That was just a riot of an interview. That was so much fun. And that was the first interview I hopped on. And I am so glad that I was able to have that as my first. I've you know, kept in touch with Shane and great guys. But from a listening perspective, I was not on this episode. Alec Flynn was one of the funniest episodes of all time, if not the funniest. I think the Conco boys definitely rival it. From what I've heard, that was just a riot to record and a pain in the ass for Herm to edit. That's one of my favorites. And then obviously the Grinelli episode, even though I wasn't on it as well. It was very insightful and gave me a lot of hope as a sports creative, you know, just showed that if you're willing to, you know, put your nose to the grindstone and embrace the suckiness of the first couple years of having the unpaid jobs and getting paid minimum wage while your, your buddies are out working at Goldman, getting paid, you know, $100,000 their first year out of college, it's all going to work out and you will find your way to the top one day. It just requires a lot more more work yeah so i think that that is probably my my top episode definitely some good ones we got some good ones coming up too we've got uh i keep people keep dming like being like when can i get on when can i get on and i'm like we got 
the summer lineup. We, we still got national champions to get on the pod. We're, we're still hooking up with them post Marlboro, post Westchester and trying to get those guys and, and girls on too. So got a really good lineup coming up, but it's time to pick up the pucks. It's been a pleasure as always, but want, want to go around the horn here. Herm, you got a big one here, so I'll, I'll let you start. I am profoundly disappointed in the NHL for uh, eliminating warm-up jerseys. Well, I'll, I'll chime in. There's two sides to this, and I, I'm upset with both. There's there's the human side of it. We we know why that they're doing away with all warm-up jerseys, right? There was only one warm-up jersey that players had a problem with. That's disappointing because hockey's for everybody, and everybody should feel welcome at the rink. On the flip side of that, I also want to talk about indigenous people as well, because there's some very, very cool indigenous people's jerseys that those teams in Western Canada do as well. And that's a shame that those aren't going to be worn anymore. The NHL does not have a lot of creativity and some of these warm-up jerseys were very creative and, and it was, it got, to, it was getting to the point where it was like, wait, why aren't they wearing, they wearing these in games? Like that would be really cool. And these designers and it, it was just fun. You had the LA Kings would come out and they'd have, blue warm-up tops that said Rams across the front when when the NFL season came around. They'd do a Chargers one or an Angels one or a Dodgers one. Or, and then you had some teams, you know, they retired Mike Madonna's number and everybody comes out for warm-ups wearing Madonna jerseys. There's just so many other things. And for the NHL to take into consideration the thoughts – of a couple of players. I don't know. It just, it's beyond me. So Herm, I'll, I'll, I mean, it's your note, but that that's how I kind of feel, but hopefully that gave you some time to, to think about it. I think what sucks the most is the money that could have been raised for charity through every single type of warm-up jersey and all of the organizations that would have benefited from it. I've seen how high those numbers get for Rangers jerseys. Uh, I've seen how high those numbers get for other original six teams. And, what these charities are able to do with that money because of a guy wearing a warm-up jersey for 10, 15 minutes. It's such a shame to impact everyone because of outrage. Hopefully, hopefully we see teams get creative with it. Like I, I tweeted, like, I don't know, like I wonder if there's gonna be an owner that comes out and it's like, I don't care. We're gonna wear these jerseys. I'll pay the fine. Like, I don't know. I I feel like the, we could see that happen with some teams. And I hope that would happen. That'd be pretty cool. I'm sure fans would line up in droves to buy that jersey if if they'd kind of just boycotted the rules. So Collins, what do you got for us? Is that stick done yet? I mean, you've been stringing that stick the whole time we've been recording. Yeah, so this is actually my my picking up pucks. I, I do not wish stringing a lacrosse stick upon my worst enemy you know as kind of like you know relaxing mind numbing as it is like mind numbing in a good way to string a lacrosse stick your hands just get shredded because every knot's got to be so fucking tight if you want to have a good pocket with a good channel this is pretty solid mid pocket we got going on here yeah i mean if we're good we just need to do the string uh the shooters now but we got it we got a great channel developing and I do not wish stringing a, a lacrosse stick upon anybody. It fucking sucks for your hands. The listeners can't see. His, his fingers are torn up. He's got the pocket in his hand. He's got the STX hat. He, he's total lax bro mode right now. If if we were on YouTube by now, <laughs> the people, people would be chirping you in the comments for, for the lacrosse look you got going on right now on, on the number one ACHA podcast. Yeah, I got I to gotta be a lax bro this summer. I got to be a lax bro. Hopefully, I get to do some, some hockey stuff this summer with STX, but we'll see. The big focus is lacrosse. I wanted to give a shout out. My picking up pucks this week is a shout out to Purdue. Slick new helmet decals. They're going with the classic Purdue train track stripe. If you listen to the show, you know I'm a sucker for the helmet stripes. I love Auburn's got them. Bama's got them. Love it. Absolutely love the train track stripes. 
You know what I don't love? I don't love ricochet shots from the WoW Warriors. If, if you play ACHA Division One in the Midwest, you probably know who the WoW Warriors are. They're the guys who sit in the WoW pub and they heckle at Harrington Arena and Adrian. They got an Instagram account. Instagram is all fine and dandy. They got memes. I love them. And they, you know, one hit too close to the heart today. They chirped Liberty for having a soft schedule. And the team that they referred to in the meme was Syracuse. And I took that personally. I just thought we should bring up the fact that like we can't just sit here and pretend that Adrian plays a tough home schedule. You know, I'm not going to name teams because, you know, I have some respect for those teams that are rebuilding like we are at Cuse. But it was a ricochet shot. It was like, I don't know if I, I included in the notes, but there's a viral video of the, the girl who's doing the arcade punching bag. And she just winds up and just drills the boyfriend in the face standing next to her like that was Syracuse just getting drilled with the punch in the face. I, those are my thoughts. I, I do want to give a tip here. Well, you got to pay for this kind of advice here, but don't block the intersection when you're driving, okay? Because I look out at my desk every day in New York City and I just watch people get tickets because the cops during uh, rush hour traffic, they just wait for you to park in the intersection and then they hit you with a ticket right then and there. So trying to help people out, trying to help people save money this summer, don't block the intersection. That's something I learned today. It's called blocking the box. Blocking the box. Yeah, don't block the box. Normally, there's signs, and, and even if there's not a sign, you can't block the box. We got advice. We got stories. We got whatever you want to call the wisdom that Rob implied on all of us listening to this. Thank you so much for everyone who's listening. 100 episodes. We are very proud of it. We're very proud to call you all our followers, our listeners. It has been a heck of a journey. And as Fitzy said in his Picking Up Pucks, here's to 100 more episodes. So thank you all so much, and we will see you next week. See you, boys.